0: been the creative partner for worship at the local church and you're listening to the sunday sermon podcast featuring the messages from our sunday liturgy the local church is a bold and inclusive faith community based in chatham county north carolina we gather for worship every sunday morning at 9 30 a.m in person at house of hops in pittsboro north carolina and online via facebook live and youtube no matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church, and we're so glad you're here.
1: Our scripture reading this morning continues from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 38, and 42 through 50, verse 35 through 38. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Now verses 42 through 50. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. And I like in verse 50 how Paul distills it down for me. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the the imperishable. This is the word of God for all of God's creation. Thanks be to God.
2: Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day, uh, for um, friends new and old who have gathered here in person and online across time and space to be with us this morning to gather at a common time for a common purpose. God, we pray that you would break into our hearts, our lives, our imaginations, that you would bring your resurrection power to bear in our life. If not in an instant, then over time, knowing that resurrection is happening uh, in all times, even when it's hard to see, even when uh, when it's hard to uh, to grasp, God, you are at work. And so be at work. Make it so in us this day, oh God. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. Amen. All right, so who's playing Wordle? Yeah? Yeah? Some of y'all too cool for Wordle? Huh? Huh? Um, can we talk about yesterday's word, by the way, that's not even... A word, swill? What is that? What is that? Okay, so even if you haven't played Wordle, um, chances are that that you might have seen the yellow and green squares pop up on social media, on Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, are you with me? Um, Wordle is uh, this simple online game invented by a guy named amazingly, Josh Wardle, W-A-R-D-L-E. Did you know that? Isn't that cool? Uh, and the story goes that his uh, his girlfriend loved uh, word games, loves word games, and so as a gift, Josh decided to create one for her. And so he did all the coding and developing and put it up online. Um, and and there it is. It's having a moment right now. It has for the last you know few months. Um, but the rules are pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Um, we've got the explanation up uh, here, and so um, you have six tries to guess a random five letter word. And each letter in your five-letter word goes in a square, and with every uh, guess, different colored squares mean different things. For instance, if the square around a letter is gray, see the U in vague there, um, that means the letter is not in the word, right? Uh, If the square around your letter is yellow, it means it's somewhere in the word, but you have it in the wrong place. And if uh, the square around your letter is green, then it means right letter, right place. Yeah? Yeah. Have you played today's yet? No? I got four out of six. John did. Um, Anyway, it's become super popular, so much so um, that the creator just last month sold it to the New York Times for like somewhere in the low seven figures um, apparently. And, uh, and I think there are a few things that have contributed to Wordle's popularity. I think, um, first what's, what's super fun about it is that everyone who plays each day has the same word. And so you're all, uh, basically competing, uh, against each other. We're all playing against each other. Um, and, uh, you can find TikToks and blog posts all with different strategies. Um, if you play Wordle, how many of you start with the same word every day? Yeah. How many of you mix it up? See? Oh, okay. Good. Good. Um, so that's one thing. Also, it's super easy to share your score. And so hence the, the green and yellow squares that you see that are ubiquitous now, um, on social media. And I think that's contributed to its popularity as well. Um, for over a month now, our family group text has been nothing but green and yellow squares. Um, and uh, we've never texted each other more than we've texted each other in the last month playing Wordle. Um, and it's been so fun. Um, And you're always welcome to send me your scores, too, by the way. I'm here for them. Um, I'm finding just confession. The the two score, that's elusive. I've been playing for a long time. I haven't gotten it. Um, The struggle is real. But I also think that part of the reason that it became so popular is that you can only play once each day. You can only play once each day. It limits you. And leaves you wanting more, unlike the apps that you know and love like Instagram and TikTok, whose whole deal is to keep you coming back for more, right? Uh, To hold your attention for as long as possible. uh, To develop that, train you in your muscle memory, uh, to tap them as soon as you unlock your device, right? It's just calling out to you every time you open your device. Um, Wordle is different. Wordle is different because once you've played, you're done for the day. Once you've played, you're done for the day. You have to wait until the next day, which is almost unheard of these days, you know? Think about it. There's no, there's no instant gratification of tapping play again. Uh, there's no in-app purchase to unlock a, a pro-paid version that lets you pay as much, uh, play as much as you want. You just have to wait. There's no alternative. There have been a few days that I've woken up way too early. Um, and I've had a hard time falling back asleep. And so I'll play Wordle, like, in that, like, time between, you know, wakefulness and actually getting up um, uh, while I'm laying in bed, uh, uh, waiting to get up. And, and, and I'll be super sad a few hours later when I forget that I've already played for the day, <laughs> you know? So obviously today we're talking about the gospel according to John, uh, where you'll find such passages, passages as um, in the beginning was the Wordle. Uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't get better. And uh, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. No, we're not. I'm kidding. But I've been wanting to use that in a sermon for like a month now. So congratulations. Um, instead, instead, we're wrapping up uh, this journey that we've been on together for the past couple of weeks through the latter part of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And I promise there's a connection. I promise there's a payoff. Um, but first. As a quick refresher of where we've been, we're in the season of Epiphany. It's the season of light, a season in which we are attentive to the ways that the glory of God, the power and presence of God is revealed and made manifest in the world. And for the last few weeks, uh, we've been sitting with and leaning into Paul's correspondence with the church in Corinth, um, a city in ancient Greece, with hope that we might discover anew the ways that God's grace, God's love, God's mercy is revealed in and through beloved community. You with me? And if you remember, uh, the struggle is very real in Corinth as well, not just in my life, my world of life, but in Corinth as well, um, with different people coming together, especially in the church where you have Jewish converts and Gentile converts um, as well, and they're all bringing different stuff into the mix. Everybody's different, bringing different beliefs and ways they've been shaped and formed and traditioned, different customs and practices. And when it all comes together, you know, you know this, you know this, it can bring some conflict, it can be messy. can create some issues. And you throw in the, the self-indulgence and the rivalry and, uh, and, and the pride that is part and parcel of the human condition. And it's just, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. And we've talked about how it may not be too dissimilar from what we experience uh, each and every day in our communities even still. And so Paul's letter here is meant to diffuse some of that tension, remind them who and whose they are, point to a faithful way forward. That's the purpose of the letter. And while he's not writing directly to us, we get to listen into the conversation because it's not not for us either. It's not not for us either. And that's what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. Just a real quick rundown recap if you've missed any of it. Um, We started in chapter 12 talking about the equity and the grace of spiritual gifts and how we need each other as the body of Christ. And then Rajiv brought us to uh, the famous chapter 13, the love chapter, talking about how the love that Paul describes is the love that Jesus embodies in his whole life. And it's a love that can be messy, a love that sometimes takes some work. Then he rickrolled us, if you remember that. And then uh, then we move to chapter 15, um, where we'll wrap today the penultimate chapter of uh, Paul's letter. We find ourselves right in the middle of a theological argument about the resurrection. Two weeks ago, we talked about the power of story and witness, each of us with our own paint rollers and paintbrushes. You remember that? Uh, invited to add a fresh coat of paint to, uh, to the story of faith and, and, and the story of others as well. Last week, we talked about the perseverance of resurrection and how it's God's big butt in the face of death. You remember that? Of course you do. Um, this week, this week, uh, there's still more about the resurrection. I am so glad to be done with Paul after this week for a season, just Leah and I've been talking about that. She's been born the brunt of my lament. Um, But uh, Paul's, uh, Paul's bringing his argument home here because remember uh, there are questions there in Corinth, especially among those who have been steeped in that Greek culture about whether the resurrection actually happened about whether Jesus was actually raised in spirit and in body and whether we will be raised in bodily form too. There's a pervasive sentiment at the time that perhaps the bodily resurrection didn't uh, and won't actually happen, that it's just a metaphor, a good story. Um, and, and after all, why would we want to take our corruptible mortal bodies with us? That's the line of thinking there. And if you remember last week, that's where Paul makes this argument that if there's no bodily resurrection, then there's no raised Jesus. And if there's no raised Jesus, then there's no hope. And if there's no, uh, I mean, there's no good news. And if there's no good news, then uh, God is not actually stronger than death. And if that's true, then basically none of this matters and your faith is in vain. That was last week's argument. But as John read this morning, you get the sense, you know, that, that Paul is still fielding some questions. The whole passage begins with a couple questions, seems like he's anticipating some follow-ups from a bright group of people in Corinth who are still trying to figure things out, Which is a good thing, by the way. Asking questions, leaning in, it's a good thing. It's something to be celebrated, not criticized. Uh, they're always welcome here, digging deeper, leaning in, wanting more. We're here for it. We're here for it. It matters. And as you heard, the central question that Paul is responding to is this. How are the dead raised? How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? In other words, what they want to know is what's the form of the body when it's raised. They want to know what it's going to look like. And I love that in these questions, there's an assumption that we've moved past whether it happens or not. You know, do you catch that? It's working. Paul, it's working. Like they've moved on to to whether it happens and now but how? All right, assuming that's true, what does it look like? Paul's making progress here. Maybe you've wondered the same. Maybe you've wondered the same. When I'm raised, will I be the Brent who's in his prime like maybe 2 years ago for me? <laughs> or will I be raised as a toddler? Or in whatever state I am when I die? Will we recognize the body or will it be something else? And, and despite Paul's snarky response, he says, fool. What a jerk. <laughs> despite Paul's snarky response, the reality is, and this is what he gets at, is that we can't know, you know? Paul doesn't know. He can offer his best guess, and it's a good, educated, and beautiful guess, but it's just a guess that, that centers on Uh, that centers on Jesus and the Spirit's divine and creative activity in our lives and in the world. And to do this, he uses a metaphor. Did you catch the metaphor? It was one verse, um, but it's so, so good. He uses the metaphor of a seed, of a seed. And he's basically saying, if you knew nothing about seeds, nothing about germination, nothing about plants at all, if you'd never been a part of a second grade science classroom, and you saw a seed and then you saw a flower or some wheat or, or a blade of grass. And someone told you that this came from that, 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 that a whole dogwood tree or hydrangea bush or, or field of wheat could grow from that tiny seed. Your mind would be blown. you would be like, what? How? But how? If you were just looking at a seed with no context and no understanding of what happens to a seed when you plant it and water it, give it sunlight, there's no way you could possibly imagine what could come from that seed. And so this is what Paul's saying. Think of the seed. Think of what grows from that seed. And the same is true of the resurrected body. In other words, if you were to take the bodies we know and compare them to what's to come, what God's going to do, we wouldn't even believe it. We don't have the capacity to imagine that. We can't even begin to imagine what form that body will take. But what we do know is that, and Paul says this: it'll be a spiritual body. Which, to be clear, isn't Paul's not necessarily creating a dichotomy between spiritual and physical here in the way that we might think of it. He's he's not um, he's not saying that uh, that that there's a uh, I'll just I'll just say this. It said he's, he's saying that it will be a body transformed by the power of the spirit. That's what he means by spiritual body. That'll be transformed still maintain some physical qualities. Uh, because resurrection means that matter matters. Jesus' body bodily resurrection means that matter matters. And he's saying that there's there's continuity there in the physicality. Um, but also difference, the same but different. The power of the Holy Spirit is at work. That's what he means by spiritual body. In other words, it'll be the same but different. We can't see it. We don't have the capacity to see it yet, but in time we will, but in time we will. And that's the real point that tra- Paul is trying to make. There's going to be a transformation. There's going to be a change. God is going to do something new. It won't just be a, a, a reanimating of what, um, uh, uh, of the old, it won't just be a reanimating, uh, like a zombie. Instead, God will take what's old and make something new in a way that we can't even begin to ask for or imagine. That's what resurrection is all about, something new. Something new, new creation. in you and the community and the world, it's a promise all in God's time. Are you with me? This is a lot. It's a lot. I'm sensitive to that. It's a lot. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I need a t shirt that says, but here's the thing. I feel like I say that. <laughs> we might look around and we might wonder, really? Last week I, I ticked through a bunch of examples of resurrection, forgiveness and healing and welcome to belonging, a fresh start, relationship mended, grace for yourself. And as much as we believe this to be true and work so hard to bring these realities to bear in the world, there are days that resurrection can still seem super elusive. Yeah? There are days we might wonder, like the Corinthians did in this part of the letter. Okay, but how? (laughs) I'm with you to a point, but how? When you lose the loved one When the fog of grief is suffocating, when the addiction gets the best of you again after you would made so much progress, when the hits just keep coming and it feels like one thing after another, when you keep showing up and working so hard for a different result and find yourself disappointed again and again, when it feels like rejection after rejection, whether it's a job or a sale or someone to love. When you just feel stuck, you feel like you've thrown everything you have at a problem, whether it's a fractured relationship or a more robust spiritual life or something else, you've been working out um, for yourself, and, and you're just not getting anywhere. What do we do with this? What do we do with this? Where's the resurrection here? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. And this is where Paul is so helpful, because the good news the good news is that when we're stuck in these places, we should think of ourselves as seeds. When we're stuck in these places, we should think of ourselves as seeds. Maybe, maybe we feel the weight of the world crushing in on us. Maybe there are days we feel like the darkness is all-consuming, that we'll never see the light of day again, when instead what we should realize, this is God's butt here, when instead what we should realize is that the weight we feel the heaviness that seems to be everywhere is perhaps the soil into which we've been planted. And the darkness is so big only because our roots are still growing and we have yet to break out through the soil toward the light. Are you with me? That doesn't mean it's not working. It doesn't mean it's not working. It doesn't mean that growth isn't happening. I remember our earliest elementary school science experiments in which we'd plant seeds in tiny pots in the classroom, you know, wait for them to grow. And day after day, we'd come in and we'd check them. Nothing. Day in, day out, day in and day out. You start to wonder, is it ever going to come up? Is it ever going to come up? Day after day, we just end up disappointed because there was nothing new to see. And just when it seemed like all hope is lost and it's never going to come, a tiny seedling sprouts, breaks through the soil to remind us just how much had been happening beneath the surface all along, even when you couldn't see it. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that, y'all, we got, we got Amazon Prime that can get us a package in two days or less. You can press a few buttons and within two hours pick up a week's worth of groceries at Target. If you want to learn how to fix a dishwasher or dance like Louisa in surface pressure and in refine your photography skills, you can do it all on YouTube. You have a world of knowledge in the palm of your hand instantly available but sometimes resurrection isn't like that. Sometimes resurrection isn't like that. Sometimes there's no quick fix. There's no magic wand. There's no instant gratification. Instead, sometimes what we hope for and what we believe can still seem a long way off. Sometimes it feels elusive, like it'll never come. Sometimes resurrection, though, is more like Wordle. And we just have to wait. We just have to wait, trusting that what's new will come, is coming, even if we can't see it, even if we can't feel it. And all the while, as we wait, we trust that there is more at work than meets the eye. That right now, even right now, right this very instant, in every moment, the spirit of God is ever present in our waiting. And when that resurrection finally comes, not only will it be something far more than we could ask for or imagine, but we'll be able to look back at moments like this, whatever it is for you, and see how God was in it all along. Those roots were taken. And I guess the last thing to say is, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: it's Leah again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. For more information about the local church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at localchurchpbo. Until next time, love where you are.